How's it going? I am Jordan Haas, and welcome to my niche podcast about the one thing I know thing or two are about. Game shows, I suppose. I'm your host, Jordan Haas. I've already said that. And uh, this is going to be a weird episode. Uh, I'm just going to tell you why right off the bat. I'm recording two episodes in a row. Uh, Not necessarily because I need a backlog or anything. Uh, Just just for clarity's sake, I am recording two episodes on the same night. Uh, This is because I feel like I'm getting a cold. So I might as well get everything sorted right now, just in the event that, you know, if worse comes to worse by like Friday, I I can at least record an episode for next week. So there's going to be two episodes. Um, We are going to keep up to date with with everything. This is a deep dive episode uh, in regards to uh, another Mark L. Wahlberg hosted show. Uh, There's also a pricing game spotlight, same as it ever was. I'm also in talks to get a couple of guests for some guest episodes, which are always fun and delightful. Uh, if you have ideas for kind for um, guests to show up here on the game shows, I suppose, guest episodes, they're bonus episodes, uh, drop me a line, jordanhaas at gmail.com or in the contact forums at jordanhaas.com. Uh, I'll be sure to check it out. And if they're willing to, you know, it'll be fun. That doesn't have to necessarily be someone in the game show industry. Uh, if you have like a podcast you want to plug, I mean, come on over here. Niche podcast and niche podcast. That's that's kind of the name of the game. Uh, so I checked the news uh, over the weekend, and uh, a few things happened. Uh, <laughs> for starters, uh, there, there has been the casting for the Celebrity Big Brother Season 2 came out. Uh, I, just, just to say right off the bat, I have worked on Big Brother. I do have contacts at Flying the Wall. I have no regards to any of the casting. Uh, I do know production and I do know uh, the challenge team. So I, I can't really go into details that much about Big Brother in terms of how they operate day to day. But but here's the cat. But the casting choices here are. Um, I'm just gonna say it. I, I think they're a little lackluster. Uh, here here is the list in alphabetical order uh, from Deadline. It is Jonathan Bennett, Tamar Braxton, you know Tamar Braxton of the Braxton Family Values, Candy Burris, Tom Green. It, it's, it's, he wants the Tom Green show. He's gonna put his bum on the the kitchen table. His bum on the kitchen table. Lolo Jones, Kato Kalen, because everyone loves the controversy of Kato Kalen showing up on any celebrity show i thought kato kalen was on like celebrity boxing so to me when i see kato kalen i think they're really are scraping the bottom of the barrel when it comes to casting choices joey lawrence because I, I guess melissa and joey like isn't airing anymore so whoa ryan Lockie, because gold medalist i guess uh dina lohan of the famous lohan sisters uh, Natalie, Eva Marie, you know, Eva Marie, the lady who can't act and can't, you know, wrestle. So she's going to be a big brother contestant now. Uh, Anthony Scaramucci, the mooch and Ricky Williams. I just, I, I'm just going to say it. 
I think the casting is bad. I think the last two seasons, like the first time they did it and the second time they do it, it's bad. I think it works in like internationally because it's not so much focused on physical challenges and the scheming aspect that comes with the show. People want to see their favorites succeed and vote out the eliminated contestants. That's what makes Big Brother succeed elsewhere. It's that the viewers are in control of the elimination process versus in the hands of somebody who does physical challenges. I think they changed it uh, from season one to season two solely because of the fear of the manipulation that comes with editing process on the daytime and, and primetime and cl any clips that they might air. It, it could sway the viewers' choices, and that's probably why they came up with the physical challenges and the power struggle uh, that became the game show Big Brother. I think Big Brother's an introduction to game shows and surprises. They play for power, and, and it has a base. But I think when it comes to casting choices, I it doesn't really resonate with me. I think a good Big Brother contestant is one that's, you know, exciting. It's it, And they all have personalities. But it's not like ones that the story producers can can manipulate and, and try to create. Like, you're the surfer dude, or you're the cowgirl. Th those don't work. Those don't work in terms of, of game show casting because... Well, it could work on something like Survivor or Amazing Race, where you have so much time on your hands to manipulate. Big Brother, it is like you only have maybe a day to edit a show. And these contestants, I mean, when they're casted, you know, the casting team and everyone assumes you're a character because, you know, you're from this state, you're from this city, you work as this. And they eventually... When you get into that house, if you anyone watches those live streams, they'll tell you the, the character drops immediately and they just become boring people and they just talk like this and they're tired sometimes and then they just want to talk strategy and you want to vote this person out, I guess. Because on, on Big Brother, they're there for like 90 days and the eliminations are like a week-to-week -week basis that it, it doesn't really move fast but what makes celebrity big brother a little better than regular big brother is it's only for three weeks and they do eliminate people almost every episode which i am fully on board with but with that also comes a cheaper budget and uh the casting jesus uh so i i'm not really looking forward to season two of celebrity big brother if that's your your thing and and trust me i understand it is because big brother is an addictive show to watch uh go for it but uh, me uh <laughs> i i got something else to watch probably on all those days um but but big big shout out to allison and rich uh they're they're they are really like people who definitely know the show they want to produce very sweet people who definitely love the fans uh, as much as I read the message boards and they say, oh, they don't like the fandom and they hate the fans. No, they do love the fans. I think when it comes to reality television, there is literally a fly in the wall in almost every message board and they don't even know it. But I digress. Um, in addition to the Celebrity Big Brother news that came out this week, Double Dare is now casting for a season two. So, hey, if you're listening to this, and you're probably in the L.A. area, because let's face it, it's probably in L.A., and you have a kid, uh, first of all, don't 
get your kid to listen to this. I do say bad words. Uh, and second, uh, maybe get them to be on the show. Get their best friend and, and see if they agree to you know, double dare and get some prizes. Unless, you know, they didn't change the rules. And I, I just hope when it comes to season two, they fixed a lot of the problems I had with season one. Those the kids that are the runners up, you know, the losing contestants, they get to keep their money like in the old show. They got to keep their money. Do that again. And they have an ability to make a more extravagant physical challenges and more obstacle courses that don't just dump slime on them. That could actually be bigger. Think Double Dare 2000. If we can get like the Double Dare 2000 like era of phys- like obstacle courses, but in the modern Double Dare, that would be great. Can we just do that? Please? Please? <laughs> Please? Oh, well. Um, anyway, so uh, on tonight's episode of Game Shows, I suppose, we're going to be taking a look at a, uh, at a dramatic game show. Uh, this is one that I will say is probably the most uncomfortable game show I have talked about so far on this podcast. Uh, when it comes to modern game shows, usually when people spring to mind when it comes to, like the last decade of game shows, you, you got your deal or no deals, one versus 100s. Uh, then you had your celebrity game night, your Hollywood game nights. Uh, then you had your revivals of Pyramid and Match Game. But then there are some weird ideas, some weird quirky ideas. And this one is probably the, the one that is the biggest train wreck of a game show. And I say that probably in the most polite fashion possible because I think they were trying to produce a train wreck. And I think that's what got their viewers. I'm, of course, talking about the beloved Fox hit, The Moment of Truth. First, let me explain the moment of truth. Uh, It is based off a Colombian version. That's right. Usually when it comes to a game show, uh, it gets adapted from something from like the United Kingdom or Israel or or Korea or, or Japan. But for this version, they went with Colombia. When it comes to most South American and Latin American countries, typically their entertainment programs, you know, are more variety format. Uh, when it comes to their game shows, uh, there's a big focus on family and romance and relationships. So this is essentially their attempt to be a crossbreed between game show and one of these trashy talk shows like Mori. Uh, the game show uh, in Colombia is called Nada Mas Que La Verdad, or Nothing But The Truth, which is anyone who's ever had to face criminal court or civil cases in, in, in law no, they have to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Uh, so there's your saying, and there's and it's an international hit. Uh, it, it was all over the place. I know there was one in the UK uh, called, I believe, Nothing But the Truth, hosted by Jerry Springer. The one we're talking about today uh, is specifically the U.S. Moment of Truth with Mark L. Wahlberg. Last week, we talked about Russian Roulette which I would say is Mark Wahlberg's strongest game show hosting ability. And now we're going to go with the moment of truth, the one that made him uncomfortable and almost wanted to quit the show a few times because it's very uncomfortable of a show. Before the show even came to air in 2008, we have to go back to 2007, one year prior. 
when the Colombian version aired, called Nada Mas Que La Verdad, or Nothing But The Truth. On this episode of Nothing But The Truth, which gained notoriety internationally, uh, the big money question essentially was to this contestant because essentially it basically it's true for dare but instead of dares is just answering truth in a polygraph test and the big money question on that show was have you ever hired a hitman to kill your husband to which she admitted and that became a truthful answer uh to explain that uh because you have to elaborate sometimes uh, she explained that the crime was never carried out because the husband was tipped off to the hitman plot and fled the country. Because of this crazy uh, news article, there was, you know, shockwaves of, oh man, that's that's a brutal game show. And oh man, I can't believe something like that would happen. But that aired right after the agreement to the game show got picked up by one howard schultz howard schultz is not the guy from starbucks there's a different howard schultz out there howard schultz is a guy from lighthearted entertainment and when i think lighthearted entertainment i sure think of a polygraph game show where you basically admit to uh cheating on your husband in front of your husband and in your mom lighthearted fun uh, but but with Lightheart Entertainment and in Howard Schultz in particular, he's the executive producer of a lot of game shows in this world. A lot of Howard Schultz game shows are kind of similar to other game shows, but then a bit on the on the edgy side. For instance, he did Studs. Uh, Studs was the Mark DiCarlo uh, dating show. Then there was The Big Date. That's the one with John Hamm. Then you had Happy Hour, which was like a panel show on USA Network that kind of fell off the face of the earth he was an executive producer for next he was an executive producer for extreme makeover and later on after moment of truth he would do things like 72 hours are you the one twinning and dating naked so that can tell you the resume of how he feels about love and affection and uh, how he can manipulate relationships for ultimate drama that's not to throw like throw him under a bus that that is just his forte and this show does that pretty much all the time. It's it's a train wreck of a show. So, uh, in one episode of the Moment of Truth in international versions, because basically every version of Moment of Truth had to have something blow up in, in, the, in the faces of a contestant. For instance, on the Peruvian version called The Value of Truth, uh, there was a contestant that got murdered after appearing on the show. Because uh, on the show, the uh, contestant uh, admitted that while working at, at a nightclub, uh, she admitted to accepting money for sex twice. Uh, and the ex-boyfriend found out about that, and he thought that she that he deserved some of the money for admitting you know some of these horrible things she disappeared and police told uh that she wasn't dating roman at the time of disappearance at the show and convinced him of paying him noted hsn uh there's a daily mail article but that's tabloid no one gives a shit about uh, tabloid because that's just all speculation uh so romero plea plead not guilty but a contestant did get murdered and I don't know how that could be done. 
Oh, fuddy-duddy, how did that ever happen? So, <clears throat> format time. Here is the moment of truth in general. Before the game... Let's, 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 now the presentation wise, it's, it's 21 questions and you have to answer those 21 questions honestly with the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. If you lie once during the game, you lose everything. So truth matters. You can walk away before a question is read, but if once it is said out loud, you must answer it. Only once during the game, do you have a lifeline? And that is through your supporters, through the one uh, the one button that's essentially like a panic button, which when pressed, and it can only be pressed once, can change the question. Rather, it makes someone on the team uncomfortable or they feel it could be a little too shady for you to answer. So, in the first tier of questions, you get six very lighthearted, almost true for dare level questions. If you get six of them right, you get $10,000. These are very, very easy questions. These are things like everyone has probably done once in their life. Like, have you ever shoplifted from a convenience store? Uh, well, have you ever fallen asleep at your desk? Uh, while, while raising your kids, have you ever fed them uh, before dinner? Th things that are like, oh, that's silly, ha, ha, ha. Then in level two, there's five more questions to get to 25,000. It goes 10,000, then the next five for 25,000. If you level these questions, they get a little tougher, a little more incriminating, but not nothing too tough. They're still more silly, but now they're actually getting a bit personal, uh, such as, have you ever used a sex toy in bed? Uh, or... Uh, have you ever taken a photo of yourself naked and sent it to a partner other than your own? Something like that is usually a $25,000 question. Then it gets into the worst part, because now we're going into what becomes the, uh-oh, you might screw up the show round. Because when it gets to tier three, it's four questions. That means you're already now through like 15 questions. Once you get through 15 questions... $100,000, or as I like to call it, the deal or no deal minimum, because none of these contestants ever walk away for anything less than hundred grand. And on this show, uh, these questions are now really personal. Now this becomes things like, while married to your husband, are you seeing someone else? Do you have a fondness for anyone other than your husband? Uh... Have you ever contemplated uh, filing life insurance to your mother and faking her death to collect the benefits? Something like that. Like, contemplate, not attempted. When it gets to level four for 200000 now it gets even worse. Now these are questions where... Essentially, you've already dug yourself in the hole. The $100,000 question, you've already ruined a relationship. You've burned a bridge of one of these supporters that have come to support you appearing on this game show to win half a million dollars. Now we're digging deep. Now we're just making sure that there is salt. And there's no returning back from this. 
So now it's, have you cheated on your husband? Uh, do you believe the, do you believe the person's better at sex than your husband? That's when the questions get worse and worse. <laughs> then if you can get through three of those for 200,000, you double your money. There's two more questions for $350,000. And this is the stuff that could definitely get you fired from your job. And and definitely start burning a lot of bridges. Uh, to the point of now it's probably two or three people want to leave. And, they, and they're welcome to walk away if they want to. But uh, essentially they kind of want you to stay to hear more. And there's that final question. Question six. Uh, in tier six, one final question for $500,000. Keep in mind, if at any time you lie or there's a question you don't like and you know, oh man, this is going to definitely break break uh, some relationships. Yeah, I know. It doesn't matter. Even if you say no and your polygraph said, no, you said yes, that's their truthful answer. It counts as a lie, so the truth still comes out no matter what. So you might as well just admit the truth on this essentially bullshit game show. I gotta say, polygraph tests are bullshit. You could probably go through YouTube. You could probably watch Penn and Teller. The polygraph machine is not that accurate. It is not approved in the court of law. It does not detect anything. It pretty much is now just a nice novelty concept. So... The show is uh, awful. Uh, it's an awful, awful train wreck of a game show. Uh, here is uh, what they say on in the game show wiki. Though so no contest, oh, that's the uh, no contestant on the shows aired by Fox and Charlotte and concerned with concerned with the polygraph test. According to Mike Darnell, who was the president of Fox at the time, uh, in the vast majority of contestants, 99% you get, hmm, I was a little worried when I answered that question. The series examined contestants to sign an agreement that they would accept the conclusions drawn by the polygraph examiner. All right, so it's, it's, let's go straight to the beginning. Before you even had the cameras roll, you are a contestant. You know, you're desperate for money. Oh, I, I want to, uh, to fix up the house. Oh, if I had like $200,000, you know, my, my student loans would be paid off. Something like that. I'll go on a game show and these big money game shows are all popping up. What's the worst that could happen? And I seem like I'm an honest person and this is a game show where all the questions are honesty. So, okay, I'll agree to this. When you get the form to be a contestant on the game show... They ask you, like, hey, who do you want to bring onto the show? Any friends, family members, co-workers? Who are the closest people in your life? And maybe, just maybe, that should be your big fucking, like, signal that maybe you shouldn't be on the game show because these people are definitely going to get fucked over by you for the money. It, that's what makes it so bad. You're going to put your mom, you're going to put your dad, you're probably going to put your older brother on there, you're going to probably put your, your your little sister, you're going to put your co-worker and your best friend. You're going to put six people on the show, and you're going to be like, yeah, it's great, six people. What, what's the worst thing happen? I want everyone to show up. It's great. And the producers don't give a shit. They're like, yeah, bring as many people as you want. That would be great. And then you, you get your usual 
because folks, I just want to tell you, if you're going to be a contestant on these game shows, especially ones that's the big money and we need to cast contestants, you're going to get like a, a, a form that's going to be like 25 questions and it's all stuff that would normally be on like a note card for a game show host to be like, oh, uh, it says here you once had a crazy night out, right? Uh, imagine that, but as the entirety of the game show. So it becomes questions like, where do you work? Uh, can your boss agree to uh, for you to be on the show on this day? Okay, uh, the next question. Uh, what, what's the wildest night you, you can admit? Oh, that's crazy. Uh, did, what's your education values? Are you in a fraternity? Huh? Huh? Th things like that to basically egg you on. All of these things are necessary for basically the producers to fuck over you. This is the clues for them to uh, the second step of the game. So then you go into your little casting and hi, and I just like this stuff and I'm an honest person and I like to say things and sometimes they hurt, but I understand. And it's like, oh, that's great. So you're you're confident, you're good, you're calm, you're cool, you're a nice character, you're funny. People will like you right now. You're likable. You're willing to talk your way out of a situation. I see that. You're your contestant. Hey. So then you are called back to uh, be on the to basically say, yeah, you're going to be on the show. Congratulations. Uh, can we just need you to uh, do the polygraph test right now? Now, sometimes it's done the day of the test. Other times, which I am assuming uh, is is most episodes, uh, they went to a production office, or they were held like in a green room, and they were asked. And when they when you see the show, there's like a video package where it's like, "This is so and so. She's something something years old and works as a blank." They were asked seventy questions. Twenty one were used for today's show. They weren't all asked at once. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, they, they were strapped to the polygraph and you're seeing them answer questions saying yes, no, whatever. The, the questions aren't all asked uniformly all at once. Essentially, I th if I can pretty much take a stab in the dark here, what they did was they asked maybe 30 questions originally. And these are like easy questions, like stuff everyone's done. And they already wrote look at your form. So they already see where you work. They already see your relationships. And they already see uh, like what, what's your status with, with your mom and, and your dad and your, and your brother. And the first 30 questions are all simple questions to basically cause a division. These are all divisive questions. So it's, do you love your mom more than you love your wife? Have you ever decided to hang up on a customer knowing they annoyed you? Do you feel you are not do you feel your boss treats you uh, unfavorably compared to other uh, other uh, other uh, employees? Have you ever felt like quitting your job? Things that would be the the oh no that's shocking. Oh, but when asked by probably some guy 
it, it's essentially trying to make it seem like, you know, everyone's had those depressing moments. Everyone's felt unloved. Everyone felt like they're treated like shit. So a lot of these questions are, yeah. Yes, I, I feel like I'm not treated well at work. Yeah, I feel like quitting my job a few times. Yeah, this is going on. And then you have your, well, you know, I like my mom more than I like my wife sometimes because she's taking care of me longer. So yeah, I'll say yeah. So then after those 30 questions are up and you kind of said something that's like the polygraph testament is true. Like I have spoke, I, I have sent a flirtatious text to a woman other than my wife. So then you get the next 20 or another 30. Hi, we need to come back after an hour. Hi, that was fun. So uh, we got some more questions for you here. So. Have you ever sent a naked, flirtatious photo to a woman other than your wife? Hi, are you, have you slept naked in a bed with someone other than your wife in the last year? Are you currently dating someone other than your wife? Things like that to start now making it worse. And then after maybe like that 60... That's when you're going to see the third and final tier of like, okay, how can we pinpoint to make it the really tough 10, 11 questions left? So it'll be something like, I don't know, the, the, the one that would definitely be like, the, the ones that would definitely be like the hired the hitman. Or in the case of the winning episode from season two, episode nine, it did not air in America, but aired elsewhere. Uh, there was one honest person in America, and that was uh, Melanie Williams, whose 21st half-million-dollar question was, <clears throat> Do you believe your father had sexual relations as an adult with a minor? That's the question for half-a-million dollars, is you got to tell everyone in America, I think my dad might be a, 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 might be a pedophile. That, that's your half million dollar question, which like, holy shit, that's fucked up. But the, the problem with the moment of truth questions is, well, they are admitting that you think and believe, because that's all these questions are. Do you believe, have you ever, they aren't necessarily, you know, as garbage as the show leads on. Because... These are questions where it's not, have you as an adult? These are things of, do you believe your dad has? So, obviously, when it comes to the, the, the show, they want you to admit the really bad thing at the tier. So, question six is a, oh, shit. Question 11 is an, oh, shit. Question 15 is, oh, fuck. Question 18 is, oh, damn it. Question 20 is, oh, no, no. And then question 21 is definitely you are now like gasping for air because you really don't want to admit this now. I want off the show. Uh, that's, that's essentially what Moment of Truth is, is this train wreck of a game show where you're seeing family members who just had no idea what they got themselves into by agreeing to be a supporter for a polygraph game show see someone they like and care about and love basically tell them fuck you 
in, in, in clever polygraph ways. Do you believe you're going to end up just like your mother? Do you feel your father has destroyed your childhood? Do you believe your mom loves your brother more than you? Do you believe you're better looking than your wife? The things like that are supposed to be, oh, fuck you, questions. And, and if you can get all 21 right honestly, you will win half a million dollars. Now, how they come up with the truthful answer is, of course, after asking all these polygraph results, uh, the polygraph determines lie and truth. You know, if it goes all over the place, that's considered a lie. So by the standard of the question writing, we already asked you the questions in advance, but you lied on this question. Therefore, you saying yes and the polygraph said false, that means the answer is really no. So you have to now remember the answer is no. But you don't really know that because you don't know the results of the polygraph test. Oh, that's one letter clever thing they forgot to mention. Wow. Uh... So, so Melman of Truth decides that that's how they're going to stir the drama. Uh, they're saying it's the easiest game show on television because you know all the questions and know all the answers. You just don't know what the polygraph admitted. So the, the, the show does very clever ways of scheming you into burning bridges in, in very fucked up ways. Uh, that's... I mean, that's the show. And I hate it. Why? It doesn't exist. So, uh, season one uh, was also famous because of one contestant. Uh, this contestant apparently made Mark Wahlberg feel uncomfortable. The contestant's name was Lauren Clary. This was the episode, or essentially this is the one that made and break the show completely. In the episode, she admitted that she cheated on her husband and that she would like to break up with the husband. And ultimately, you know, after admitting you cheated on your husband and want to divorce your husband, you got $100,000 and you're probably going to get a divorce. The husband's already in, in grief. You decide to go on for $200,000. And question 18, the one before, actually no, it was question, yeah, I think it was question 17, because it's the third. So question 17 shows up. And the simple question is, do you believe you are a good person? Now, I'm just going to tell you right off the bat, that's supposed to be a trick question. Because everyone at one point feels they are a good person, but also at times people feel like they're not good people. And if you're doing a polygraph test and you're admitting to a lot of unhealthy things, obviously the answer should be, no, I'm not a good person. Look at the stuff I've done. But if you're trying to save face and a lot of people in their heart of hearts definitely admit they're good people, uh, will say, yes, I am a good person. This is a polygraph nightmare kind of question because it is up to interpretation. All of the questions on on Moment of Truth are up to interpretation. Do you believe is not have you actually done this? It is a thought that someone has had. 
And, you know, people in relationships all the time fight and argue. And sometimes they do the think, what if this is not the guy for me? What if we just split up right now? That has gone all the time in relationships. That's something that's common and natural and something that's probably thought of in most therapy sessions. Uh, feeling you're, you're going to be just like your mother. Feeling like your father ruined your childhood. These are things that are unusual therapy sessions brought into real life in the form of this game show. Lauren Clary said, yes, I'm a good person. And then this robotic voice goes, that answer is false. And she loses everything. Literally everything. She ruined her relationships. She ruined her marriage. And because of that lie, she got nothing. Because of that, season two had to change their rules. And now, if you lie after question 11, which is the $25,000, you now get that money no matter what. Which is, I guess, okay. But if we're going through the long scheme of the, of the storyline and the prize tree structure, that means that if you're playing for $100,000, you have nothing to, to lose, even though you're asking a lot of horrible questions to these people. So you might as well not walk away and just admit to bad stuff. Or you just uh, walk away from the, when you take the 25000 and go. Because you know once it gets to the 100000 that's when your life is definitely going to change. And not because of the money, the life-changing money. No, it's, it's because of the things you admitted on national television in front of your friends and family. Uh, that, that's the, 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 the show in a nutshell. You, you burn bridges and you don't fight back. Uh, the $25,000 prize was like, okay. I think they said that because they felt guilty for what happened to her. But if the grand scheme of things is it's 21 questions, yes, no, and if you lie once, you lose everything, why not have it so, and this is just my guess, this is just if I was, like, hosting the show or producing the show, and you're trying to do storyline. Why not make it so the contestant can walk away after the question is asked and never and you'll never figure out the correct answer. So if the question really does become like in the in the last month, have you had sex with a man other than your husband? I'd like to walk away. That that's all you needed to do. And and but the thing is the these questions are so awful and they're so and I, I and yeah they're mean and and some of these are are gotchas like uh for instance uh someone is like a, a gifted athlete so of course because they're a gifted athlete maybe olympic medalist uh one of the questions will be asked have you ever well in a well in competition have you ever done something under while using steroids or a substance to give you an upper hand? Something like that. You know, the, the typical, if you're going to ask an athlete, you know, did you do steroids while performing? And they will say something like, no. And this is the part where everyone's going to be like, oh, he blew it. 
Because this is something, of course, someone would admit if they're an athlete. And it currently, the answer is true. What? That's a gotcha. And the producers sometimes do that uh, in the attempt to uh, keep the audience on its toes. Because pretty much everyone has figured out the way to win money is you have to admit horrible, horrible things. Uh, because they don't pick the easy questions to be worth the money. Uh, they they basically say, do you... Do you hate your wife because she put you into so much debt? Something like that is definitely going to be the big money question. Not so much, do you like your mom? Uh, mom's cooking? No. Like, like that's not going to be the case on Moment of Truth. Uh, so Moment of Truth became such a success because it came on after American Island's premiere episode. It was the shock of the drama that came with every contestant having a backstory, meeting the relationships, and then seeing the train wreck unfold for an hour as these contestants admit, slowly but surely, to horrible, horrible things. The show became so successful for two seasons before getting quickly canceled. I wonder why. Uh, that they actually made a home game. I'm not joking. They made a fucking home game. Not just a home game, a home game and a card game. You know, you want to you wanna take the, the thrill of moment of truth with you wherever you go. Here's a, a fucking toy lie detector for you to put your thumb on and tell people true or false questions. So you can win fantasy money. Have the fun of ruining relationships in the fun of your own home. How great. That's a fun... <laughs> Why? Why? Why would you do this? I, I, I understand the, the appeal of the show. Americans love train wrecks. Americans love people eating shit. And they want to see uh, people get their comeuppance. Uh, and the, the, the other thing is that it's truth. And when it comes to the quest for truth and honesty, it, it's tough. And it, it, it's a real actual tough thing to do in, in, in the, in America and especially the world. Cause everyone has to put on a false face. Everyone has to say you're good when you're really bad. They don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. They want to, they still want to build bridges. They still want friendships but here's a game show that basically says, but do you really, though? Here's $25,000. Do you really? And you have to say no. And and you hurt that guy's feelings. You, you crush them. And yet you get money. That is what Moment of Truth uh, stands for. And I think that is is uh moment of truth in general is the is the crash and burn aspect of the game show people want to see somebody falter they want to see someone fail they want to just see someone's crying because i don't want to admit this but they do and mark Wahlberg, or sorry say mark l Wahlberg, does not want to to do this he i think of anybody he's the one that probably regrets doing the show the most because aside from getting a paycheck, your resume is now, hey, you're the person that kind of admitted that someone's openly gay. Or you're the person that admits that this person's a sexist or a racist. That's great. Like, that's essentially his game. He's become, he's the Maury of game show hosts because of Moment of Truth. And I don't, 
And luckily he found work after this. He did the game plane, which is an ambush game show taking place on a plane. But it's 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 definitely one of those shows that everyone goes, yep, this is the downfall of American society. And it happened a decade ago. This was a real game show. People went to a polygraph test, got asked a shitload of questions, and then they got to answer those questions again on camera for money. Like, that's it. And these are really, really tough, tough questions. And I, I don't like it. I, I, I think the show is, is okay when it comes to storyline, story producing. But other than that, you watch it and you're horrified. I'm horrified watching this show. I, I, when it comes to a game show, my philosophy is it's two parts. It's the game and the show. The game should be something anyone can understand and should be fun to play. The show aspect is how it's presented. The game itself is not aspirational. You will have to be a complete sociopath to agree to be a contestant on this game show. Because you're willing to ask your friends and family to come onto this game show and then just tell them to their face what you really think to them? You're a fucked up person. And that's the game. Easy to understand. 21 questions, honestly answer them. If you're right, you win money. If you lie, you lose everything. And there's the uh, the helpful button from your supporters. If they see that you're, you're struggling to answer a question truthfully. So the, the, there's a game and a show. The game is the format. That's the thing that could easily be manipulated to making an app a home game, a video game, you know, the, the, the aspect of you can play with this. Then the show is the presentation. The, the presentation itself, I like. I actually will say the best part of Moment of Truth is the presentation package because of the set. The set is uh, essentially, and I gotta say this is what makes it, I, I think it works, it's a fucking downward spiral. <laughs> Like, it's really fucking on the nose here. It's a swirl to illustrate the downward spiral that this contestant's going to go through to win half a million dollars. In addition to that, it, it's not a big audience. It's very dark, almost, you know, trying to be like that that meet the fuckers, like lie detector, you know, brutal, flickery light kind of kind of show. But then they have the living room area, which, you know, like every supporter especially back then, had to have the little chair and, like, the little sofa with the little contestants. And then if you look closely in the background, you're going to see there's not that many uh, rows of chairs. I mean, what's there for the contest? Like, what's there for the audience to do? Here's essentially everything the contest... Like, if you're in the audience of Moment of Truth, this is what you do. Yeah! Ooh. Oh, yay! Oh, that's it. Like every, that fucking happens every question. Like Mark L. Wahlberg, question six, gong. Do you feel you deserve a man that's better than your husband? Oh, like that's that's moment of truth. <laughs> Not much for the audience to do. So you're sitting back and you're going, oh, 
That being said, what I dislike about Moment of Truth is that much like most game shows back then, they kept trying to egg you to keep watching by basically spoiling that the con- like what future questions are going to be like for the contestant. So, and some of those are even like in two or three breaks later. You're in Act One right now, and this is going to be an Act Four question where they admit to basically uh, doing like like putting like roofies in someone's drink and it's like what the fuck is going on and a quick way to figure that out is if you detect the color scheme uh the ten thousand dollar level is uh is purple then it goes to twenty five thousand which is a a regular old blue uh then it gets to one hundred thousand dollars which is a nice turquoise like a nice seafoam green two hundred thousand dollars goes to an even brighter purple like a pinkish almost then you go to $350,000, which is orange, and then that half-million-dollar question is essentially a, a gray, a very cloudy gray. Uh, so, so if you peek along, you can see what level the contestants are uh, going to get asked and, and basically get spoiled, because do you really want to care whether or not this person likes fat people or not? I don't. I just want to see the guy royally eat shin from the wife. Uh... <laughs> Also, uh, apparently the board game doesn't work. <laughs> Who knew? It's a fairly cheap game. Man, someone could have told you that. Uh, but th- that's that's the moment of truth. 21 questions, answering truthfully. And the, the, the only thing I should also bring up is Mark L. Wahlberg has to actually explain a lot of times how the rules work and the polygraph test. And that just because someone said yes and the polygraph said no... That's a lie. They can change their answer on that same question and say no, and that'll be considered a truthful answer. So there is a writing team there, and that writing team are full of assholes and uh, garbage people. And I don't want to. I mean, that, that's all I could guess happened with the moment of truth. Uh, it did get canceled after, se- like, in the middle of season two, they pulled the plug. And this is Fox. They didn't really have a good like track record when it came to game shows in this era. This is the this is the hole in the wall era of Fox. This isn't the Beat Shazam era. I think this is, I don't even know where to put Boom or Million Dollar Money Game. But like this was a train wreck, a train wreck that a lot of people watch because America really loves disasters. And they really love people uh, breaking up and in tears, I guess. We are masochistic people who want to see people suffer because we are all suffering human beings. Uh, You can see see full episodes of Moment of Truth on the lighthearted YouTube channel. I am not kidding. That actually exists. That's actually how I found out the Moment of Truth, like watch more episodes of Moment of Truth. It's, it doesn't hold up. Uh, later episodes, which they didn't even put up every episode, uh, there were couples. So they would have them both go through a polygraph test and then go like back and forth and back and forth. And I don't know if that's a niche gimmick. Normally, I would uh, say, how would I fix the show? I, and all I could think of is, well, this is a horrible, horrible show. Uh, all I could think of is you ask like true, like, like just make, fuck, fucking make true for dare. Like, uh, if you're going to fucking go all out with the truth and dare and degrade yourself for money, just fucking do truth or dare. 
Like, uh, like you have to polygraph questions, and you still ask these brutal questions, but you make it like ten questions, and then it's like, oh, you can either answer this question or take the dare, and then the dare is your like fear factor bullshit challenges that are like things that would also be equally awful, like like eating penis or or uh, getting a tattoo. Oh. Something like that, like like the the shitty dare things that you would see on like I bet you will, or you can answer a question about whether or not you still love your your husband. That that's all I could think of, and even then, that's a garbage show I wouldn't watch. But it, it feels like that would be where this would be going. It feels like just going twenty one questions. Honestly, it's just it's a it's a it's a boring show. It's so boring, though, that Fox, at one point, actually did, like, a sped-up version of Minute of uh, Moment of Truth, where it was, let's go through all the questions very fast. So it's like, question one, bloop, do you believe, bloop, yes, bloop, true. Question two, bloop, bloop, true, bloop, three, bloop. And those took, like, five minutes. And it's like, well, that's the show. Okay, well, I guess I don't really need to watch more of this. Also, if you're admitting the awful thing, sometimes the the lie detector lady goes a little too long with the, that answer is true. Like, like that's all you need to do. This is not like, that answer is do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-
car-based pricing games on the Price is Right. Uh, the name came in the fact that there are five price tags. Duh. One which is the actual price of the car. The contestant plays a game of true-false with small prizes to win those prizes and up to four choices of the five price tags. Gameplay. Contestant is shown four small prizes, one at a time, and must decide whether the price displayed on each prize is true or false. Oh boy, after a moment of truth. Uh, if the contestant is right, the small prize is won. You win a small prize! And he or she earns a chance at the second part of the game. If the contestant's wrong, however, the small prize is not won. And he or she does not earn a choice. If the contestant earns no choices whatsoever, the game is automatically over. Therefore, the number of prizes earned in the first half determines how many choices of the five price tags they may make. After all four prizes are played, and assuming the contestant has earned at least one choice, the contestant begins selecting prices from the five price tags. One at a time, the contestant chooses a price he or she believes is correct. If the contestant picks the correct price of the car they win the car if not he continues or she continues to choose until all earned choices have been exhausted since there are five price tags and only four small prizes earning all four choices does not guarantee a win for the car although the odds of losing are now very slim obviously the more choices the contestant earns the more chances they have a winning the car Okay, time for some history now from the Price is Right wiki. After the game premiered September 26, 1972, it was lost. It was first won October 2nd, 1972, tape date 0051D. Early in the game's existence, instead of a buzzer, a car horn was used for a wrong pick from one of the five price tags. On February 2nd, 1982, number 4382D, the small price labels have changed from yellow to black letters to white with blue letters. Exactly two years later, on February 2nd, 1984, the third and current small prize podiums have been introduced, along with the original red and blue prize backdrops. The people... On the, I, look, I like the prices right, but does, does color extent really matter? I, I mean, I I know it does, because it comes to, to you know, the, the design of the, the game itself, and it's called price tags. So I'm guessing they wanted the white and blue aesthetic for for the the labeling because when it comes to like labeling prizes of things, you know, like on display counters when it comes to retail outlets, that, that's where I'm getting at probably where they came from with the white and black. But never, let's keep going. <clears throat> the game was played once on the primetime version of the show. It was May 3rd, 2003, number 010SP, and it was one. On April 2nd, 2015, with three choices earned, the contestant guessed the top prize on her first pick wrong. Manuela mistakenly revealed the next one in line before she made another decision, forcing the contestant to win the car. Wag wag, Manuela. You just made someone win a car. On May 11th, 2016, the game made an appearance on Let's Make a Deal as part of a mashup week between both shows. The Price is Right show featured Gold Rush and Let's Make a Deal. If the contestant chose the price the model accidentally revealed, they would have won $20,000. Just to be sure that that model was Manuela. While the show was still half an hour long, five price tags and most expensive shared the same set props, which are four big blue vertical price tag lights 
with red supports used to light up and indicate how many chances the contestant has to win the car. In fact, three of them had shelves to hold the prize cards. When Most Expensive finally got its own props as well as its title, the shelves were removed and neon chevron lights were added to the backs of them. So far in this pricing game spotlight, this is the only game other than one wrong price to not have its name anywhere on the props. Oh wait, you know what? This is actually uh, so far in the history of the game. Because uh, one wrong price does not actually have it either. Uh, like gas money. Okay, so yeah, we're definitely getting later on. Uh, like gas money. An underwritten rule is that prices of all prizes in with zero or five, except in the rare case that zero or five is not one of the provided choices. Uh, the most number of times the game was played on any season was 80. The small prize portion of this game is trickier than it seems. Most contestants are inclined to respond false to the given prizes of the small items, when the majority of them are actually true. As a result, more of the small prizes are guessed incorrectly, and most contestants only win one or two choices of the five potential car prizes. Uh, then foreign versions on Mexico's Atlante El Presito called Cinco Presitos. Cinco Presitos. Five prizes. Uh, the game was not played for a car. Oh, okay. On the Bob Warman version of the UK, a free pick was given at the start of the game and grocery items were used instead of small prizes. All right. Okie doke. Uh, then the blooper win. All right. So, uh... Five price tags. Let's quickly go into that. And, and it's a quick, easy, it's a good multiple choice game. Uh, instead of an A-B game, it's played in two halves. Uh, and unlike something like bonus game, uh, it doesn't necessarily guarantee a win. Uh, it, it definitely is almost like the one right price game. You know, our favorite A-B game where it's just one or two price tags. And they just amplified it up to five. Which, you know, go for it. Uh, what works with this sh with this game is that, you know, the more you get right, the better your odds of winning the car, which I think is something valuable when it comes to the game. doesn't necessarily mean you win the car uh, because they still want to make it trickier, but there's two ways to maximize the drama on, on five price tags. Uh, one way is you only got one answer right. You know, you won one prize, so you have your one in five chance of getting it right. Uh, secondarily is possibly you got four of the five right and you already got three wrong. So now you have a 50-50 chance at getting it right on the last uh, two price tags. That that that, that maximizes the drama aspect of price tags, but I think that also annoys the producers who want the show to keep moving. So if you just keep getting it wrong, they're kind of going, oh no, this is an extra minute that we have to like dedu deduct from something else. Uh-oh. But but that's I think five price tags is a top tier uh, pricing game for a car because it incorporates two aspects of prices right figuring out the items of these double digit prices true false which is, is something fun usually it's higher or lower uh, or, or more or less than this Th this is essentially just true or false this coffee pot is forty dollars that that's the game. And, the, and it's played for a car. And, you know, that's the go-to prize and the price right there. Everyone wants to win. They want to win the brand new car. But five price tags is, is a fantastic a game. My favorite thing of the five price tags, by the way, 
is in the background of the game, which most people already notice, is you see the car in front, because that's what your prize is. But the background, which usually is for the car on, on five prize tags, this is, my, this is why I like it. <laughs> this is how, how annoying I am with the game. Is that the instead of like you know like the weird diner scene or chevrons, it's for price tags that light up, and if you pay attention to the game and a lot of you do, you know that when someone wins a small prize, one of those lights up to indicate that they have won one price tag, and if they miss the second prize, it doesn't light up. So then when a third prize opens and lights up, that goes off, and then the fourth one, if they get it, they that lights up. So you see three lights then, but one went off, and that was the second one. So it kind of gives you the impression of they were keeping count of what's been going on in that person's game in a novel way uh, for the car, which, which I enjoy. I, I feel that with five price tags, uh, it's, it's basically played in an isolated set. And an isolated set is where the car is situated in one of the big doors. But they're standing outside of the big doors where the five price tags are. And then they start wheeling out on the little shopping cart all the little items. Not a shopping cart, it's like a, a dolly. But still, it, it's, a, it's a fun game. I love five price tags. But honestly, I don't think that many people care about the uh, small prizes these days. Because, oh boy, I won myself a, a pedometer. Oh, that's, that's neat. I, I got myself a Fitbit. All right. Sweet. Uh, but <laughs> it's it's the five price tags game. I love it, and I know some of you at home love it too. Um, that that's that's really how I'm gonna end five price tags. But I'm not gonna end the show quite yet. I have just one last uh, piece of business here. So a question came up recently, uh, and it was essentially if they revive Win Ben Stein's money, what what should they do? Who should be the Ben? Who should be the Jimmy Kimmel character? And, I mean, that's going to be a big deep dive all on its own because I, I think that that's a big old complex question. Uh, I don't think they should do Ben Stein anymore with that uh, because, I mean, he's kind of old. And I think there's a lot more smarter people. You can do Neil deGrasse Tyson. You can do uh, uh, you can do uh, one of the Jeopardy. You can do Ken Jennings. Everyone knows he's famous for being smart. Uh, but if I had to do a choice, I mean, there's two there's two answers with this. One is my personal choice, and then it's the most likely choice. Uh, most likely choice, if they were going to bring it back, Ken Jennings would be the would be the when Ken Jennings is money or Kimmy be Ken Jennings, and the host that would be the Kimmel character uh, will probably be like John Gabris from The Substitute uh, and a bunch of other things. I think it was on Hair Jack too, which was a weird show that lasted one season. Uh, and did, or if it was me, if it was my personal choice, I would do Brad Rutter because uh, he's an actor and he can basically play a regal, dignified, smart aleck. And then you get Jack Allison from Jack AM to be the host because he already has that kind of Jimmy Kimmel vibe with him. If you ever listened to like Struggle Session, that I could definitely see him playing the role of a Jimmy Kimmel uh, on When Ben Stein's Money. Uh, that, that's what I would see. So I just see, cause, cause that's the idea is supposed to be the economy of like every, every Joe guy and the, the, the sophisticated smart man who doesn't really need to be here. That, that's the appeal for Win Ben Stein's money. And I think if they were going to bring it back, it wouldn't be Win Ben Stein's money. It'd be, you know, beat Brad Rutter or win Brad Rutter's money or something similar to that. And, and it will have to keep its comedic charm. 
Otherwise, it just falters. Uh, but thanks for your question. And if you have an answer to that, uh, feel free to write to me, jordanhaas at gmail.com or in the contact form on jordanhaas.com. Uh, also, uh, if you have any advice for what to do when you're alone doing a podcast about game shows for about an hour and eventually you talk so much, your nose starts running and you're trying to come up with ways to talk, but then you have to pause because you have to blow your nose every like 20 minutes. Like, <laughs> I, I, I just... I mean, I, I don't like this. I don't know what it is. It's like a post-nasal drip. I don't I don't get it. But I, I just uh, I just want to say how much it, this, this show means to me, and I appreciate all of you for listening. Join me next week for a brand new episode where we talk about one new game show that I actually probably will like. It's not Moment of Truth. Until then, have a great night, good night, and big smooch. Mwah!